the UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! Welcome, UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee. The final edition for the 2020-21 season. So, Last night's game, an epic one. I mean, we'd hoped maybe a little bit closer, but Baylor escapes with an 86-70 win. So the Baylor Bears finished the season 28-2. Gonzaga, 31-1. Couldn't get the perfect season out of the way. So for those that watch this, you know, Baylor never trailed in this game once. And in the entire Final Four, they only trailed for one minute and three seconds to Houston kind of earlier in the game. Uh, They're the first team to do that since UConn in 2014 to never trail in a national championship game. They were led last night by junior guard Jared Butler, who had 22 points, including four three-pointers. Dude was just lights out, unbelievable. Senior Macy Oteague also chipped in with 19 points. Junior guard Davion Mitchell, 15 points, 5 of 6, and 6 rebounds. Dude is just unbelievable. We'll talk a little bit more about Davion in a couple minutes. Senior Mark Vital, 11 rebounds and 6 points. And also sophomore Adam Flagler with 13 points for Baylor. So, I mean, this game, I wouldn't say it was over pretty quickly, but Baylor came out the gates essentially, you know, this was a title fight in the first round and essentially knocked Gonzaga to the ground in the opening round. 9-0. It was just flurry after flurry. Gonzaga looked a little kind of overwhelmed, flustered, out of sorts. You name the adjective. Gonzaga looked like that. They just weren't right there. At one point, I God, I mean, the lead was probably about 16-17 at one point. And then the Zags chipped it down at the half. It was a 10-point game, 47-37. But um, just unbelievable. It's the, the defense of Baylor is suffocating. You know, I tweeted this out last night. It's like, kids, you want to earn a paycheck. Don't be practicing windmill reverse dunks in your spare time. In between practice, practice on defense harder. You you just seen how cohesive a unit Baylor was. It is just suffocating. The Gonzaga, who is... It is just beautiful basketball to watch, free-flowing. You know, it's the Harlem Globetrotters. They're just all over the court, heading in, I think they were, what, number two or three in the country in assists. They just moved the ball around so beautifully, and they couldn't do it last night. Baylor gave them no space to do it. And so since seeding began in the tournament in 1979, Baylor is just the third team to win without any McDonald's All-Americans on the roster, joining UConn in 2014, as well as that amazing Maryland team in 2002. I love that team. I remember that championship so clearly. Uh, you know, Juan Dixon, my guy, who is now the head coach at Coppin State, went on to play for the Toronto Raptors after. Who are they? Steve Blake. And then they had one other guy. Forget the power forward's name. Dude was a beast. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that Maryland team, 2002, pretty damn good. But I would put that Baylor team 
up against them any day of the week. So following the win, we have some comments from Baylor head coach Scott Drew on just what this means to him and the program. Well, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank God for blessing us with this opportunity tonight. Uh, I know the guys have worked really hard and uh, uh, so happy they get a chance to celebrate now. At the same time, um, I feel for Coach Few and his team because they're such class acts and Coach Few is a Hall of Fame coach and an unbelievable guy, a better person than he is coach. And um, you hate when friends uh, aren't feeling good. But uh, um, a plan was in December 5th when the game got canceled, we said, hey, if we can make it April 5th, and as I told them before the game, if we're going to lose, losing to you is who I want to lose to. So, um, so much respect for them and what they've accomplished. Our team has been special. Um, last two years winning his team in the Power Five, we've been really, really good. Uh, and they're, they're even better people. Um, four weeks in the bubble, trust me, I'd tell you if they're not. So uh, uh, that, that's what I'm going to take away most from this is thankful the NCAA gave us an opportunity to have an NCAA tournament, and then uh, thankful that uh, we were able to spend uh, this time and uh, develop our, uh, deeper relationships with unbelievable guys. Talked about Baylor being 28-2. Their only losses this season to Kansas and also Oklahoma State and Kate Cunningham, and those were kind of in the last week or so of the season. I mean, they looked like they could go undefeated and then kind of stuttered heading into the Big 12 Conference Tournament. So there was this little bit of you know, I don't know, is Baylor not as good as advertised based on those two losses? Obviously, two very good teams. But there was a hint of uncertainty heading into March Madness of, you know, can Baylor really do it? And then after you see them in the opening round, a lot of those kind of uh, doubts maybe went out the window for me. For, I mean, I had Baylor winning my bracket. So I won, and we've talked about this, I'm the play-by-play -play guy for Orangeville Prep, and I won the Orangeville Prep bracket. I had uh, Baylor beating Gonzaga in the final, so not a cash one. I do win a whole bunch of swag, which pretty stoked about because I was thinking about buying a hoodie, and now I'm going to save myself about 70, 80 bucks. And then I'm a alumni of Durham College, which is a college just east of Toronto in Oshawa, and uh, their alumni you know, the athletic department bracket had close to 500 brackets and I ended up finishing fourth. Now we all had the guys in the top four. We all had Baylor beating Gonzaga in the national championship game in our brackets. This is out of 500 guys. And I guess these guys ahead of me had, you know, one or two other wins in the earlier rounds. So I ended up finishing fourth in that bracket, even though I had Gonzaga beating Baylor in mine. Alas, it was a lot of fun to watch. And, um, just so thankful the tournament actually happened. Um, here's some more comments from Scott Drew and just what this means for the state of Texas and basketball and AAU and just the whole state of basketball in that state. Coaching is like being a parent. And Christmas time, you see the kids opening up presents. You see them excited. Uh, you're excited. And to see the uh, uh, Baylor fans be able to celebrate and cheer, uh, to see uh, uh, the city of Waco be able to celebrate and cheer, to see the state of Texas. I mean, look how much great uh, uh, basketball we have from high school, AAU, junior college, college. And we haven't won a national championship since 66. So it's long overdue for the state. And, uh, uh, again, just so pleased for all of them. We have an unbelievable administration, Mac Rhodes and President Livingstone, that have given us every resource to be successful. And uh, um, 
the guys uh, uh, that have sacrificed for 18 years leading up to this and these guys that were able to take it home. And uh, um, it was great to see Freddie and Devontae and, and uh, um, Tristan in the, in the stands. And um, we, we knew last year they really wanted to uh, have a chance to do this. And we weren't going to have any regrets with this tournament. We wanted to leave it all on the court and really blessed with the effort everyone gave us tonight. So for those that listened to last week's pod, I mentioned that I had written a letter to Carlton Dotson, who is the Baylor player who was convicted of murder and given a 35-year sentence back in 2003. And that's when Scott Drew took over the program immediately following that whole catastrophe with Dave Bliss, the head coach, and that. So I have not yet to receive a response because the letter just got there yesterday. I have a tracking number on it, and I checked. And so the letter arrived to the prison yesterday. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know if Carlton is going to respond. I just wanted his thoughts on Baylor's success and, um, you know, any if he had the chance to watch any of the games. So I'll keep you updated over the next couple of weeks on, on what happens with that. But also have some comments from Baylor guard Jared Butler, who was unbelievable, mentioned led the Baylor Bears in scoring last night. And he talked about the hot start for his team and also just kind of what this means for him and the program. Yeah, the start of the game was tremendous. Um, I know I didn't. Um, Adam didn't, Mark didn't, he, we didn't look at the scoreboard. Like we were just going out there and giving it our all and uh, we were just gonna let the, you know, um, the combos where they, where they fall. And um, I looked up at halftime, we're up 10. I knew at some point we were up big cause I was just like, we're scoring, they're not scoring. And um, you know, everybody was hitting the shots. It was like, nobody's gonna miss, but um, it's just electrifying, especially in that type of moment in a big game, you know, and, and everybody stepped up. Like everybody was, you know, on on clicking on all cylinders. Like that's that's what it takes to win. So it's amazing. So you wonder, I mean, how many NBA guys does Baylor have? I think I don't think Jared Butler's gonna get drafted, but I think he's gonna get an invite to camp somewhere. I don't know if they're doing summer league next year. I mean, they have for years. Looks like things are kind of schedule adjusting back to normal for the most part. So I think he's definitely going to get a summer league look. And, uh, and this is another thing I tweeted about last night. Davion Mitchell made himself some money the past two weeks because the dude has been money. I thought he was the best player in the tournament. I want to apologize for not having him on my All-American team. I get a vote for the All-Americans. I did not include him. I watched quite a bit of Baylor this year, but they're all so consistent. You know, there's the three or four guards on that team uh, between Teague and Butler and Mitchell and Flagler. There's there's so many of them. But come tournament time, Mitchell just stepped up the game to a whole new level. He's the best defender in the country. I talked about this a couple weeks ago where, you know, I I did the play-by-play for Lou Gensdort, who's with Oklahoma City, uh, for his high school career and know Lou a little bit. And Lou's an outstanding NBA defender. He's nowhere near as good as what Davion Mitchell is. So I don't know if Mitchell has worked himself into a lottery pick. I'd be shocked for that because, you know, you got Jalen Suggs and Mobley and Cunningham, a bunch of other guys, and whatever Europeans have kind of shown out over the past year over there that we don't know about. There's always one or two guys that we just forget about. I mean, look at Luka Doncic, and then last year, uh, Theo Maladon, who's at, where is he at? San, San Antonio. Uh, so there's always these guys coming out of Europe. So I don't know how many Baylor guys will be. The only one I can guarantee is Davion Mitchell. You will see in the NBA next year. Gonzaga, different story. They got a number of NBA guys. But um, unfortunately, their season comes to a screeching halt. 31-1. and And that's a tough pill to swallow. And 
you know, watched a bunch of interviews and I got some comments here from Mark Few in a second. But I mean, obviously it's tough for those guys right now. And you even see it. You see it with guys like Jalen Suggs. And, you know, you could see a kid like Suggs where he's going to be he's a lottery pick. He's going to be one of the first three picks in the NBA. He's going to make himself millions over the next decade. So why should he give a damn about this? Because the dude's a competitor. Seeing the young, he, keep in mind, he's a kid still. He's, what, 18, 19 years old. Seeing him crying his eyes out, you know, in the last minute of the game and, you know, getting pulled out with a couple seconds left when Mark Few just decided to empty the bench and, you know, 20-point game with, with 40 seconds left. So, but to see the emotion out of a guy like Suggs just shows these guys don't care about that NBA stuff, and that's going to come later on. They wanted to win this, and I think that's the beauty of college basketball. I also think that's the argument against that G League team, you know, the Ignite, where you see Jalen Green went there, another top prospect, guy that's going to be another lottery pick, and he chose to opt out of college basketball this year um, and go play in the G League, and he made himself, hey, what, 400 grand, 500 grand, whatever. I'm sure he probably could have got himself that money in a Duke or Kentucky. <laughs> Again, I make no bones about it. A lot of other college basketball writers kind of, oh, it doesn't happen. It absolutely happens, okay? Duke's just better at hiding it than a lot of other people, but... You think Zion Williamson went to Duke for free? You're kidding yourself. Anyways, but yeah, it's uh, it's really great to see just the emotion on a guy like Suggs and that, and then you can hear the emotion on Mark Few. Here's his comments after the loss last night to Baylor. Well, hey, it's a really, really tough one to end a storybook season on, uh, but listen, Baylor just they, – they, they just beat us. They beat us in every facet of the game tonight, and, and – uh, uh, deserve all the credit, um, and obviously it's, we're all disappointed in here. But you know, as I told the guys, like you know, you make it this far, and and, and you're 31 and 0 going into the last one, the last 40 minutes of the season. There's absolutely nothing you should ever feel bad about, and they'll look back on this season as time passes as, uh, as something just uh, amazing and uh, incredible. But it, again, just hats off to Baylor. They they dominated us on both sides of the ball. Again, I mean, the guy is as classy a coach as you will find. Definitely, for my money, one of the top five coaches in college basketball is certainly up there. Um, he was also asked about the challenge of addressing his locker room. This is the second time now he's had to address a team in the locker room after losing in the national championship. And this is what few had to say. I mean, it's obviously a feeling these guys had never had to uh, address and 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 deal with but I think the nature of it tonight probably made it uh, you know I mean it's now it's not easy but again I just you just as a coach try to give them as much perspective as you can and and as is usually the case with everything time will time will lend them the the best perspective but uh uh Hey, they, they've just been an amazing, unbelievable group. And I just told them they're just so easy to coach and so easy to travel with and so easy to deal with all this, you know, COVID stuff that we dealt with all year. Uh, I, I just was amazed at how they handled everything. So when we talk about some of the Gonzaga guys all year long, I've said they have three to five NBA players on the team. Now, whose draft stock increased and who decreased Jalen Suggs' draft stock obviously skyrocketed. You know, the half-court buzzer beater, which I'll get to in a minute, but just how good he was in this tournament. I knew he was good from the second game of the season when I saw him. I knew he could make that shot two games into the season. I knew he was that kind of athlete. And so this is a guy that's going to go top three. I think he should be the number one pick. 
but he's certainly going to go top three. So his draft stock obviously increased. I think Drew Timmy steady. You know, I had Drew as a maybe mid to late round pick. I don't think he did anything to sway that opinion or skyrocket up the draft board, nor did he do anything to slip down draft boards. I thought Drew Timmy was excellent all season, all throughout the tournament. Now, one guy over the past two games who I loved and I had I voted him on my first team All-American team was Corey Kispert. I think his draft stock slid. He was terrible in the final four. Uh, you know, the semifinal game wasn't very good. They won in spite of him. And then in the national championship game, he was terrible. Couldn't hit shots, missing wide open looks, didn't play with confidence, looked nervous, looked like the pressure got to him. And Corey Kispert is one of my favorite players in college basketball. But I think he lost himself some money over this past weekend. I think He's going to slip a few spots. I, I I would be surprised now if he gets anywhere near the lottery. I still think he's a first-round pick, but that's a guy that went from being picked maybe, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, to now maybe, you know, that 19 to kind of 29, 30 spot. Still going to make himself some cash, but I think he lost himself a few bucks over the past few weeks. But um, here's his post-game comments after the loss last night to Baylor. You really do forget what it's like to lose. And um, every time it happens, it doesn't feel good. And thankfully, I've had you know, not very many of them over my career, whether it's in the regular season or in the tournament. Um, but I mean, when you come up, a team, come up against a team like that who's just firing on all cylinders for 40 minutes, uh, it's really hard to compete with. So um, yeah, you kind of forget, and it doesn't feel good. Uh, and I'm going to rem- remember this for a long time. So now you wonder, you know, wh- where does Gonzaga go next year? I think Andrew Nemhart, you know, is a Canadian kid. I talked about, I think it was the first episode of this podcast I did back in November. If Nemhart could become eligible, Gonzaga would be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and have a chance to compete for the national championship. So 100% right on that one. But... I thought Andrew was absolutely brutal last night. It was his worst performance of the season. I counted three blind passes where he was trying to be fancy, a couple no looks, and he literally just threw the ball out of bounds. It was like, who are you kidding? Those are the kind of passes that a bad high school guard would make. So Nemhart did himself a serious disservice. He was going to be in the conversation for maybe a second round pick, you know, maybe a free agent signing. I think his performance last night showed that he's probably going to have to come back next season, which is not the end of the world. So he's going to be the main general for Gonzaga next year. I think Joel Ayayi comes back next year because, I mean, maybe he's a second-round pick. I think he eventually gets to the NBA, but I think Ayayi comes back. I also think Aaron Cook, who is was the grad transfer from Southern Illinois, Played quite a bit all season, but come to, you know the, the Elite Eight to Final Four to the National Championship, didn't get a ton of minutes. Got to play a little bit last night because Suggs picked up a few quick fouls and then Cook got in, but definitely not an NBA player. So you wonder, will he use that extra year of eligibility and come back to Gonzaga? So what kind of state will they be in next year? It's yet to be seen. Now, I know they signed, I forget the kid's name. They got another five-star kid, another big-time player coming in because... You know, now that they're getting, you know, they got Zach Collins a couple years ago, I think 2016 or 17 was a McDonald's All-American. They got Suggs, who's the McDonald's All-American. And uh, they got another one coming in. I forget the kid's name, but um, they're going to have some guys. I think I think they need height. So I think Mark Few's going to have to look in the transfer portal to maybe find a suitable big man, someone to replace Drew Timmy. 
Um, who that is, I don't know, but uh, we'll see over the next couple months. So I have some comments from Jalen Suggs following the half-court buzzer beater in the Final Four game to get Gonzaga into the national championship. And so, you know, him doing that. When I saw Juzang hit the go-ahead shot, followed in his own rebound. So now we're tied 90-90 in overtime. And as soon as I seen Suggs kind of cut back and take the inbound from Corey Kispert, I kind of stood up and was like, yeah, he's got a shot. This is Jalen, this is Jalen friggin' Suggs. So with the ball in his hand, this guy's, you know, four-star recruit in football. Obviously, he can toss the ball the length of the court. Sprints up. Now, the funny thing is, I thought he picked up his dribble too soon. I thought with his speed, he had another five yards maybe to get up the court. But anyways, picks it up just over half court and then drains the buzzer beater. Unbelievable. One of the greatest shots in the history of the tournament. Now, for the younger generation, you know, I got a 17-year-old son and, you know, his mind was blown by this. Great shot. Unbelievable. It's still not... The Christian Leitner shot for my money in 92 and Leitner hit the shot for Duke over Kentucky, but certainly one of the greatest shots in the history of the tournament. And I love the celebration too. You know, Suggs does the leap, you know, with the fist pump and then jumps immediately up on the table, which I absolutely loved, but um, just unbelievable. And uh, going back to the semifinal, got some Suggs following the game about that shot. My gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I saw Johnny got the miss and... Uh, got the miss and put it back in, you know, and Corey, Corey took it out right away. Uh, Corey, Corey, come here. You know, and I got as many dribbles as I can, you know, tried to get as close as I could. Um, he was actually, like, right under me. Uh, but, I mean, I just put it up. I was fading away with it, and, dude, it went off the backboard and in, and I don't know. I've always wanted to run up on the table and, you know, like Kobe and D-Wade and, and go like that. And, I mean, that's the first thing I did. But, man, I – that that is something that you practice, you know, on your mini hoop as a kid or in the gym, just messing around. And to, to be able to do that, uh, it, it's crazy. So there you have it. We're going to wrap up the podcast for this season. This is my first season doing this podcast. And I've been covering college basketball for quite a few years now since I transitioned from the music business to sports in, what, 2015. And uh, great tournament, you know, actually an all-timer, obviously missing the fans a little disappointing, got a little bit of it, but um, hey, better than nothing, better than what we had last year, which was absolutely nothing, and a lot of numbness staring at our phones going, you're kidding me, this isn't happening. But uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do is, you know, I've been doing two or three podcasts a week since November, so I'm going to take a week or so off, I'll just kind of refresh my brain, and uh, I'm going to track down a bunch of coaches, players, we'll go back to the more mid-major format, this is the mid-major podcast, but obviously... You know, we get to the Final Four, I'm going to talk other teams. Gonzaga, of course, a mid-major, so still fairly relevant. But uh, we're going to get back to that. whole bunch of coaching changes, transfers happening. Porter Moser, Loyola Chicago head coach, going down to Oklahoma. All other mid-major guys getting, mid-major teams getting new coaches. So I'll dive into that. we got plenty of time all off-season to cover all of that. And uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to click subscribe. I will be back shortly. It's only going to be, I'll take a week or 10 days off from doing this and then get back to it. Don't forget to click subscribe. Drop me a line on Twitter at Mr. McKee. My Instagram is at Mr. McKee CM. Hit me up there as well. Of course, the undraftedfreeagent.com socials, the Instagram, we're starting to get there. We've got about 100 followers. I know it's not that great. We're going to get more and more. Of course, check out the website, undraftedfreeagent.com. I'm going to have a whole bunch of content more now. Now that I'm going to wind down the pod a bit, 
focus a little bit more on writing and stories and, and, and that sort of stuff. But um, what a year. Can't believe it. For those of you into the music industry, I, my book is available. You can check it out. It's called Life on the Road with the Wu-Tang Clan. It's about my 12, 13 years as the booking agent and tour manager for the Wu-Tang Clan. It's available on Amazon or wherever you buy your online books. And of course, thanks for listening. We'll be back shortly. And damn, what a year it was, eh? The Undrafted Free Agent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh!